Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. Dateline, June 15, 2006. I'm at the PLC conference in Birmingham, Alabama, and here are some of the notes that I took. The Collaborative Culture. It's a group of people working interdependently toward a common goal for which they're held mutually accountable. To collaborate is a systematic process in which we work together interdependently to analyze and impact professional practice in order to improve our individual and collective results. Teams of teachers using a body of data to develop outcomes. From Doug Reeves, teachers who work to cover the entire curriculum help about 50% of their students. Teachers who teach essential outcomes help about 80% of their students. Build common assessments so teams of teachers can ask who's learning and who's not. Teachers at grade four create a wish list that gets passed down to third grade teachers. A wish list that you want kids to master when they come to fourth grade. A guaranteed and viable curriculum is the most powerful tool in raising student achievement. Loyalty and commitment flows from the smallest level of the organization. Say no to averages. Look individually at each student. We look at kid by kid, skill by skill. I'm at the PLC Institute with Rick and Becky DeFour. Ironically, I really needed to be here and insulated because I received a panicky phone call from my assistant superintendent. She called me panicked because the deputy superintendent, her boss, called her to inform her that our school did not make annual yearly progress in reading. So I'm here in Alabama about to attend the first session and I get this call. She then wants me to review my student list to find errors. It worried and saddened me and angered me some. The approach is about covering one's ass as opposed to embracing one's reality. I am and have embraced our current reality. Collaboration by invitation will not work. The best staff development doesn't take place in a workshop, but in the workplace. A sign of a great conference is when I don't make time to write in my journal. Like a great movie, this workshop never gets old for me. I've been to several. I've been strengthened and rejuvenated by the messages. I've had an opportunity to spend time with the DeFores. They're so giving and gracious with their time and energy. Ironically, the call that knocked me for a loop yesterday was coupled with discovering that the testimonial I submitted was included in the new publication, Learning by Doing. I can't say that I break my neck to read testimonials because I don't. However, the DeFores asked me to contribute a testimonial for their newest book. I was honored. I contributed four different ones and one was selected for publication. It was a really proud moment for me, 
in that it represents me taking one more step closer to me realizing my dream of doing leadership workshops and professional development for a living. Seeing the quote published really lifted me out of my funk. Hey, listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in Advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me. Of of nothing, nothing, and I got nine hundred fifty thousand eleven hundred books behind me right now on this shelf, and some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other. Explains equity like no other. Speaks to you like no other. The coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. Oh, baby, let's get into it. So much, so much, so much to unpack. I try not to make these super long episodes. Hopefully, this one listens like like a great movie. Like, I love The Godfather. It's three hours plus long, but man, it never feels that way when I watch it. And I've only watched it 47 times. You know, the first thing I think of when reviewing this episode is I don't know whether to be uh, frustrated or proud or both with the fact that this was 2006. I've jotted down notes in my journal at the Institute. And some of it is the same stuff I'm fighting schools to do today. So on the on the one hand, I'm proud of like that the foundation has remained. Um, You know, 
listening to some of those things about the importance of essential learning outcomes and how common assessment data has to be used to figure out who got it, who didn't, and what we're going to do about that. And uh, wish lists that grade levels create. The power of a guaranteed and viable curriculum. Grouping students. So, on the one hand, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are some foundational things that have just stayed true. On the other hand, it's frustrating as hell to still be fighting some of these fights. It's just a part of me thinks we should have moved on from this already. I mean, this is 17 years ago and we're talking about saying no to averages. And I, <laughs> there are still districts and schools and areas of the country were still hanging on to averages. But it's just the worst way to evaluate anything is, is the average. Oh, it just drives me crazy. And, and I'm going to really hammer this home in my next book. There's only one way to group kids. It's by name and by need. We're still grouping kids by these bullshit green, yellow, and red bands that don't tell us anything except that you've arranged them in dumb, average, and smart groups. It's, it's just ridiculous. If you got eight kids struggling with mixed fractions, uh, reducing them to simplest form, then you find the kids who are struggling with mixed fractions in simplest form. Uh, you diagnose that and see which ones are struggling with the same steps and get them together and get them coached up and get them back in. But to characterize kids as... Can you imagine if I walked into your school and had all of you by position arranged in yellow, green, and red bands? I mean, it'd be ridiculous. And so... I... When I'm thinking more optimistically, I love that our foundation hasn't gone the way of like health and fitness. Like every year it's a new a new tool from the thigh master to the, the ab roller to this to that to now. Now we got pills and drinks that just make us lose weight. And But the foundation really is uh, you got to burn more calories than you eat and move around sometimes. Like that's really what it comes down to. Movement and burning more calories than you eat. And so I just think about these things, man, 17 years later, and, you know, we're still talking about collaboration by invitation. Um, yeah. On the other hand, man, these are the early days with Rick and Becky DeFore, God rest their souls, and Dr. Bob Aker as well. And I was just getting to know them. And it's just incredible just how generous... They both were, um, you know, I, I think about that when I look at my, in my email inbox and it's full and I've got a, a big old email to answer when I'm done recording this pod. I, I always think about the fact that at some point they dropped everything and just uh, on many occasions would just respond to me and the needs of our school. And so that is the first piece of it. Um, the second is that man just covering your ass well, let me say one more thing about those foundations I took a lot of pride I, I really worked on and I do it to this day you know I was where was I this week where was I this week oh my I was somewhere this week 
<laughs> I was somewhere this week and the greatest compliment I got from my work this week oh it was in Massachusetts at uh, Gateway Regional and there were some teachers in the audience that saw me last year when I was in Foxborough shout out to Dr. Allison Mello for, for that and the teachers who saw me this past week who already saw me in Foxborough were humbly they were talking me up to other staff and saying you gotta see this guy and it's gonna be great and blah 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 and the teacher said you know in the back of my mind I was wondering if it would be the exact same thing and I take pride in really innovating I really do I mean I keep a lot of the foundation the same but I really work to innovate and come with something different so you have a different experience to that end there were times where I liked that I would repeat things over and over again and during my years in school leadership I took a lot of pride in boring my staff at the very beginning of the year with our mission and our foundation and what we were about and some of the core tenets that backed that up and one of them was you know what what's best for kids comes first what's best for adults comes second it's a close second but a clear second that collaboration was part of our DNA. It wasn't anything I was going to invite people to do. We've made a case for why collaboration has to be a part of our culture. It has to be embedded in our culture. It can't be a choice because we've already made a case for why it can't be a choice. I, I love that. I love that our mission was to ensure all students learn at high levels. And high levels means grade level or better. Right, so we, we we codify that. I loved coming back to that every year. I called it my uh, "This is America" speech, where I'd have some super pixelated flag waving on a bootleg PowerPoint, telling folks, "This is America, baby." You know, our country isn't perfect, but I don't want to be anywhere else. And the beautiful thing about America is that we got choices. The choices aren't always easy, but there are choices. There are some places where you wake up and your destiny is determined by birth, by location by race, by religion, by who you are, by what your last name is. But here, it's not. Now, we, we don't all start off at the same uh, uh, starting line, but we have choices, and you have a choice. See, because this is where this bus is going, baby. Well, and then I point to where the bus is going, the, the, our foundations, what's most important, the stuff we're going to focus on. And you have a choice in whether or not you want to be on that bus. Now, I can help get you a bus transfer, get you a ticket on another bus and I used to tell them let help me help you find the right fit baby <laughs> that was my speech and so I like that every year that was the foundation I also love that I missed some days writing in my journal because this conference was just so good and so full and I don't know just so invigorating and I needed that because as you heard I caught hell right there at the beginning getting that call and you know what? Like I told you in the last episode, I knew in my gut. Hell, we had 31 people leave. I mean, we were we were the bottom of we were the gum on the bottom of your shoe. And so only in Hollywood does a school turn around in one year. And I had no interest in that. I mean, I mean of course, hell, if I could have made it happen in a year, I would have, but I had no interest in fantasy. So I knew it was going to be a minute. Now, I, when I say that, 
that's that is just the start that is that is the reality that is the reality in a culture of urgency you see what i'm saying to you what i'm saying is i know it's not going to happen in a year but know that i got my foot pressed to the floor of this this gas pedal this is not one of those it takes seven to ten years to see change bullshit i don't get into that i don't even like when they talk about three to five years because when teachers collaborate effectively and then put their backs to the wall in 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 a culture that is mission driven you can three to five years sounds like we got to work our asses off and hopefully in three years we see a blip of change and that is not the reality that is not the reality you it may take three to five for you to get to your peak perhaps but you're gonna see significant change there in the first six months if you put the right things in place we saw some change but I my gut knew just based on our our prevailing culture based on my current staff roster notice I didn't say my students my students don't have nothing to do with it based on the, the staff roster based on the prevailing culture which as you know if you listen to this podcast was we love our babies we love our babies we got the best spirit we in the district but our kids can't read I mean there were no expectations there were no expectations and I knew based on the roster we had based on just the, the, the adult malaise man I had a my gut told me we weren't going to hit it that year and we didn't and as much as that sucked you know I feel like a team that was like you know just miss you know those teams that talk about you know they lose the championship but they lose in the playoffs and it just eats at them the entire year like that's how I felt and it sucked but I knew it I signed up for it and I had to sit in it my 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 therapist would say that's called sitting in the shit I sat in it and was already thinking about and already got things moving for next year but you know as politics would have it as district politics would have it I'm getting calls you know asking me to look over the data now I don't remember all of the fine details about what they were looking for but I can tell you it was like find some way to fudge this shit so you can show that you made AYP that's what I knew it was find some kids who perhaps weren't enrolled long enough for their scores to count you see what I'm saying like it was it was all that kind of shit that kind of CYA stuff and I just wasn't with that because this is not a this is not you know some quick fix diet pill kind of stuff. That's just not how this stuff works. And it bothered me that I was asked to do that. You know, it saddened me and it bothered the hell out of me that I was asked to to engage in that CYA kind of stuff. It just it just didn't sit well. And um, lastly, like that was just a, you know, just an episode of highs and lows. And a high was, and I'm holding it in my hand. There, there have been three editions of Learning by Doing and listen, if you're a PLC school, and I, I, I've said this for years, if you're about building the foundation of a PLC and you want the nuts and bolts in case study, there's no better book than learning by doing. There's no better book than learning by doing. If you want to focus on the equity aspects of PLC or equity aspects of moving schools forward, I'm going to say without a bit of humility, there's no better book than Ruthless Equity. There's no better book. But at the time, learning by doing, it is the PLC Bible. It's written brilliantly. And this is the first edition. And Rick invited me to submit uh, 
a testimonial for it. And I'm holding I'm holding that edition, man. And it's got curled up ass tabs everywhere. I mean, that's a sign of a great book when you beat the hell out of it. But I submitted four of them and it was just uh you know, I I wrote in a journal how this was such a big step toward my dream of doing leadership workshops and professional development and and so at the time it was just a dream but you know if you follow my work I believe that what you focus on grows and it's everything and you got to take a couple of steps every day in the direction of your of your dreams and it just so happened that leading that school and ensuring that it improves and delivers on the promise of equity excellence and achievement for all students regardless of background would not only feed the outcomes of my current position, but also work to serve to move me in the direction of my dreams as well. Because uh, as my man Burita Kafele put it this week in a Facebook post to new consultants, uh, you're not going to learn, get all your training from the internet, baby. You got to go out and do this shit. You got to do the work. And so I was proud to be invited to submit a proposal and even prouder that they selected mine. And so I'm going to read it to you. Building a PLC has transformed our school from a place where adults came to work to a place where students come to learn. Ours was a school with no shortage of teachers working hard. There were also no shortage of teachers who wanted students to learn. What we were lacking, however, was alignment. Our school improvement effort pre-PLC looked like 25 arrows shot from bows by many marksmen, aiming at targets in many directions, but not hitting much of anything predictably. Professional learning communities provided us with the blueprints for alignment. We are now capitalizing on a collective effort to move forward toward shared mission, vision, values, and goals. We have moved away from a hammer and hope approach to one of results planned and on purpose. Kenneth C. Williams, principal, E.J. Swint Elementary, Jonesboro, Georgia. Damn, that was a good ass testimonial, baby. I shouldn't be bragging about myself, but oh, Lord, I got away with words. So listen, 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 listen. You want to keep that foundation a foundation. You got to keep it firmly in place collaboration by invitation is a recipe for failure focusing on essential learning outcomes is the only way to get anywhere close to living an all means all mission grouping kids there's only one way to group students and that's not by levels it's not by whether you think they're smart or not that's not our job the only way to group students is by name and by need by name and by need and then embrace your current reality with urgency again it hurts me to say that I knew we weren't going to get there that first year but I don't want that to be mistaken for the old five to seven years and then you start to see some results forget that you can see results sooner than later if you get going on the right work you're willing to make tough decisions You're willing to disrupt the status quo and put mastery of essential learning outcomes, what's best for students 
before adult comfort. This is the blessed burden of leadership. So remember that. Make this a great week. And always start with the crown, not with the kid. On the next episode of the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast, all I'm going to say is this next one going to be meaty, baby. Take the long way to work. Get yourself a good breakfast because I wrote an email that almost had me lose my whole damn job. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.